This episode of the Trek Geeks Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks, and you'll find over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player. Hi, this is Kim Stinger, Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek Continues. All hailing frequencies are now open for the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. little show this side of the alpha quadrant welcome to the trek geeks podcast this is episode 22 i'm your co-host bill smith and i am pleased and overjoyed to welcome my podcasting partner he owns replicas of every sweater that Ciroc lofton wore on star trek deep space nine he's jake cisco wannabe dan davidson dan welcome aboard buddy thanks for having me as always good to be here did you say I thought you said something wrong, but you probably didn't because you don't make mistakes. What did you think I, I said? I don't remember. I just want to really have all the sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a great you know picture I've seen on several Facebook groups, you know, kind of a who wore it better, and it's a picture yeah. of like a, a a Trailways bus seat with a, that really tacky upholstery on it, and Jake yeah. Cisco wearing a sweater. <laughs> Nice. And that's what I think of every time I see Jake and his sweater is, is, a, is a bus seat. And me wearing it? Uh, yeah. Kind of okay. like you're wearing right now. I li- you like that, don't you? I do. It's very yeah, I, fetching. I was going to wear my Garrett couch wrap, but I decided not to. <laughs> it's a little too warm for that in, uh, in Maine, it's, isn't it? It is humid and very rainy this evening. It is. Well, you know, it's the kind of day that's great for staying inside in some air conditioning and maybe playing a game. And Dan, today we're going to talk a little bit about gaming and the Star Trek universe. And we've got some special guests today. Why don't you tell us about it? Sure. We got a couple special guests um, for folks that uh, have been following uh, Star Trek Las Vegas, as well as our podcast. We know that we're very big into gaming, and there is a new game that is going to be coming out at some point. We're not exactly sure when. Um, It's going to be a, a game that you can play on your iPad, your phone, PC, I believe called Star Trek Timelines, and uh, we had a great interview with the, with the guys from the, uh, from, uh, from the Timelines. Um, disruptor Beam? Publisher. I was trying to think of the word publisher before <laughs> Disruptor Beam, but I couldn't think of the word publisher. So back to you, Bill. <laughs> That's right, Dan. We've had, this week we're going to sit down with uh, lead designer Tim Crosby and also principal game designer David Heron. They are working very hard for Disruptor Beam on Star Trek Timelines. It's supposed to be a game in the Roddenberry style, and we look forward to bringing you more information about it. After the interview, Dan and I are going to talk a little bit about our favorite and not-so-favorite games in the history of the Star Trek universe, so be sure to come on back for that. But for now, it's our discussion about Star Trek Timelines. Mm-hmm. 
you attended the big Star Trek convention in Las Vegas last year, you all heard and saw the buzz regarding Star Trek Timelines, a revolutionary game in the Roddenberry vision from Boston-based Disruptor Beam. In Timelines, you'll be able to explore the galaxy on the web, on your iOS or Android devices, and you can assemble your favorite Star Trek characters <clears throat> from all series and eras as one crew. It sounds like it's going to be a, wait for it, game changer. Oh, I see what you did there, Bill. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, okay. Today, we're excited to bring to you Star Trek Timelines lead designer, Tim Crosby, and principal game designer, David Heron. Guys, welcome to the Trek Geeks podcast. We're glad you could come on. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. Oh, it's great to have uh, to have both of you guys on. This is kind of a new uh, a new interview for us, um, and and getting into stuff that we love is gaming. We love gaming, both Bill and I. So uh, we're happy that you're here. Um, coming from an area that is based on winners, I just want to say, you know, like the Red Sox and the Patriots, Bruins and Celtics, et cetera, et cetera. It only seems fitting that a gaming company from Boston sets out to make the best Star Trek game to date. So. Glad to have that. And yes, folks, we are piling on the fact that we're indeed from the area of champions when it comes to the sports teams. But we digress, Bill. <laughs> uh, guys, you've both been fans of Trek for some time. And David, perhaps we'll start with you. Um, did you grow up with Star Trek or was it something you came into through the, the development of the game? <clears throat> oh, no. Star, Star Trek has has been a part of my life since I was a, a a much younger nerd. Now I'm a much <laughs> older nerd. Um, no, uh, Next Generation was sort of my my introduction. Um, I think you know, it, it just it, it captured my imagination. Um, it uh, Deep Space Nine uh, sort of you know it overlapped and that sort of continued um, into Voyager. I uh, I eventually uh, went off to the university. I want to say somewhere in the like second or third season of Voyager. And it, it dropped off. Um, and then, uh, uh, about three years into university when I probably should have been, oh, maybe even later when I should have been writing my dissertation, I would, uh, both Deep Space Nine and Voyager started running daily in syndication after Law and Order episodes. And so, yeah, I may have spent like, three hours a day watching all the star trek over again so allegedly it is just, yes yes oh no that's definitely why i didn't take five years to do a four-year degree um but uh, but no it, basically you know uh from uh from tng it's just been this constant part of my life how about you tim is it kind of the same story yeah I can actually remember watching some reruns of the animated series. So I don't know when that was because I, I mean, it's when I was young, but, uh, I can remember the animated series and then really watching <clears throat> all of Next Generation a bit obsessively. Like I, I definitely got like one of the companion books and, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I knew which episodes I had seen and which episodes I had seen multiple times. And, you know, in the days before we had, you know, a good uh, digital recording of, of stuff where you could binge watch it. Like right. I had seen, I, I knew all, all of these episodes and my relationship to them. And I uh, kept watching the other series, never quite as intensely as with, as, as with next generation, all of my uh, <clears throat> action figures and try toy tricorders and toy phasers, toy phasers and Klingon dictionaries were all because of next generation. Mm -hmm. 
it was a, it was a probably a product of, of our time. Tim and I are of similar ages, and the TNG was sort of the age where we were given gifts. So, like right. you mentioned, the companions that first technical manual, the 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 blue cover. Oh yeah, I think it was right. Like like I. I obsessed over it. Like I, I remember, I remember the Christmas getting that that book. Wow! Um, and I mean, I was, I was, I was nerdy enough that I definitely brought it to school. And I definitely <laughs> would like, like that. We're That's we're nice. right there with you. We had uh, you know our good friend Doctor Trek himself, Larry Nemechek, had a couple of those that uh, he published, which I used to go through. Uh, obsessively looking, uh, reading over every single nuance of every episode. I loved reading that stuff before the age of the internet came along. Mm -hmm. Um, Dave, we recently watched your podcast with executive producer Rich Gallup. Uh, it was nice to see that you as a principal game designer have a special love and have your head on straight knowing that DS9 is, mm. is like the best Trek spinoff. It's as the super best Trek. It is. Um, with that being said, uh, any chance you're going to put a little bit of extra something into the DS9 portions of the game? <laughs> well, <laughs> so so uh, it is. It, it's good that we have uh, we have two designers. I think that Star Trek means so much to so many different people, and I think you ask a thousand Star Trek fans what what's the favorite Trek or what's their favorite episode or what does Star Trek mean to you, you're going to get a lot of different answers. Right. The right one is Deep Space Nine, but Tim, maybe he doesn't share the same love of Ben Sisko's unique cadence <laughs> as I do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, in the office, you might get the impression that we're we're like debating these really weighty like philosophical issues, and in a sense, we are. And you might also get the impression that we that that maybe we're we're not like. Like, like we 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 talk about the the like pros and cons of of the various series. But like it all, all, even the cons are like, well, yeah, sure. It's better than almost like all other television. Right. It's just not quite as good as my favorite series. Right. <laughs> um, but, but to Deep Space Nine in, in, in particular, um, I think that, uh, it will, it will be featured, uh, predominantly. Um, I don't, I think many, Maybe not more so than most, um, except for, uh, at the beginning. And I think, I think the, the reason is, um, Star Trek's timelines is, um, is, uh, about, uh, conflicts and, uh, turmoil in familiar places. And there were lots of familiar places in, in, uh, TNG. Uh, but that was a show a lot about going into a bunch of different places. And so I think that the sense of place in Deep Space Nine, um, gives us a really good grounding spot, uh, for, for maybe sort of introduction. Um, Voyager is this, is this interesting thing, right? Like it's really far away and we're sticking with the, uh, the Alpha and Beta Quadrant, uh, for, for the, for the launch. Um, and the, the Voyager crew and through some, you know, creative means and, some influence of some other, uh, outside forces, we're gonna see, you know, maybe some Herogen, maybe some Kazon, but, um, but I think we're gonna ground that initial part in some things that are familiar to, uh, Deep Space Nine fans. Nice. Well, that's, um, that's pretty interesting, and it kind of segues into my next question. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier in the intro that, you know, the game is probably closest we've ever seen to Gene's vision of Trek, at least as far as games go. 
but we're guessing that combat is still a possible outcome depending on the mission or or maybe even perhaps the failure of diplomacy <clears throat> in some issues. Is that fair? Yeah, well, with any of the away team missions uh, on the show, and this is what we're trying to emulate with our away team uh, mission structure, is that you can you can kind of do do these actions a couple different ways and diplomacy is certainly a, a pretty common one but sometimes the the right choice or, or sometimes a, or at least a valid choice is to sort of take a kirk or janeway approach and mm-hmm. kick down the door <laughs> sometimes <laughs> diplomacy is a punch in the nose that's right he tells harry <laughs> yeah, and I think Scotty has a line about that too. My favorite mm-hmm. form of dif- diplomacy is a phaser or something. Yeah, um, phaser bank. <laughs> uh, but 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 like the you know you the point is to is that, uh, and I think this is a big difference differentiator from a lot of other games is that combat can be uh, or, or or that that sort of solution can be one way of accomplishing something, but certainly not the only way. Diplomacy and science and sort of engineering technical smarts those all play a role and those are all important as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a, there's, there's this important distinction about, about Star Trek timelines and maybe some other, uh, role playing games that people are familiar with. Um, I think uh, at this point, a, a sort of a traditional role playing, um, trope is this notion of like, you know, good and bad choices or some sort of morality system where you're filling up uh, either a blue or a red meter. Okay. And that wasn't particularly something we were interested in. Um, I think that the, again, like the sort of the plurality of, 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 of love, of different ways of loving, loving the, the series and the, and the, the, the movies, um, I think was, it was important to sort of reflect that. And so rather than the player making, um, a specific decision or a game where we're saying you as the person holding the iPad are going to dictate what these characters do, we wanted to create a system whereby, uh, by selecting a group of characters that they will solve a problem or be able to solve a problem in a way that makes sense for those characters with, with the idea that if you are a character who goes to a convention and you, 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 you put on the, the, the turtle and you carry a bat left and you have a, maybe a YouTube video of you doing your best mech left moves, um, <laughs> that you're going to, you're going to, you're going to pick, um, you're gonna you're gonna pick the sons of mode. You're gonna pick Worf, and you're gonna pick uh, Kern in his Bajoran outfit. And you're either gonna you're gonna pick either like Alexander in his like young karate gi, or maybe in his KDF uniform, right? Mm-hmm. And by by bringing by beaming down with these three Klingons, um, you know they're gonna they're gonna find and hunt down that rogue. Uh, Starfleet officer that has joined the Maquis, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna do it their way. But if you instead choose to bring, um, you know, Odo and, um, Seven of Nine and Mirror Universe Spock, they might come up with a, a completely different scenario. Interesting. Um, or, or have, they have a, they have a different set of skills. And this, and the story that they tell in finding that Maquis uh, the, the, that 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 rebel um, is going to be necessarily different, and and so we I think we've come up with a really great solution that tells a lot of different stories. It sounds so complex, but at the same time, it sounds like behind the scenes complex. I mean, but but when we're actually playing it, it sounds like it's going to be very very fluid. Um, 
it's been about a year since we first saw timelines in Vegas, like Bill said at the intro. Um, and in late April, we got to see some actual gameplay footage that you guys released on your website uh, with a couple of quick missions. Um, can you tell us if there's been any new gameplay gameplay features that have been added since that video came out in late April, or are we still focusing on the same type of thing that that video showed us? We can tell you there are things that we're working on. Mysterious <laughs> things that we're working on. Uh, I mean, the the development is really, uh, you know, we have a, we're doing lots of different things simultaneously in order to uh, make the game as, as great as the vision is and, and as, as great as the fans deserve. Uh, one of those things is refining a lot of that gameplay that, that you've seen. Uh, and we're also working on some things that are new that you haven't seen yet mm. and that we're not quite ready to talk about yet. Okay. No, but I think it's, I think it's safe to say that, um, the, the sort of the, the conflict system where you were sort of creating one of the challenges that you saw in the video, um, that's a way of telling one type of, of a story. And, and, or, or, it's a, it is one format, and there are lots of different Star Trek stories you can tell. Um, but there are, are different types of, of Star Trek episodes, different um, types of scenarios, um, ones that you've seen in other games um, that maybe wouldn't be as, as, as well suited to, to that, that particular way. And so um, you know, we want to be able to tell all the types of Star Trek stories. And, and Tim and I and the team have, are, are building um, systems that sort of uh, share elements with each other um, but are, are capable of handling different scenarios. So, you know, I, maybe you guys can't put an estimate on this because there's still a lot of work going on behind the scenes, but do you know how close we might be to the closed beta and how do two self-described Trek geeks get into that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the the best way to have potential access to the beta is... Uh, to join our bridge crew program. So going to disruptorbeam.com, uh, there's uh, a link there. That's a email sign up thing. Um, we will let you know when the game is available. There's a chance of getting in the beta for, for, for signing up for that. Um, we'll give you, uh, news and won't be spammy. Uh, we'll give you a free in-game triple. I got um, my triple. It'll be a good thing. <laughs> Um, it's not going to be bad. It's not going to take over your ship. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that's, that's the, yeah, it's an important, it's an important point because everyone asks it. No, no, it's not going to, it's not just going to take up your ship. <laughs> and that's the best, uh, way to get ac- potential access to the, to the beta. Awesome. Um, and I would say even, but even before that, um, you know, we are rapidly in a, in a position of like, we're, we're moving fast and, and the game is really coming together, um, but there's still there's still room. So the beta is one is one place where by playing the, in the beta and and you know being part of the forums and things like that, you can make some changes. But even before then, we're we're uh, putting uh, YouTube videos out there. We're putting um, there's going to start to be more and more specific blog posts. We're going to start revealing some things and probably asking a lot of questions. And so I would say even just like. Starting to participate, starting to ramp up on that forum this summer, um, I'm, I'm sure is going to be, is going to be a great way to sort of learn more about the game, but also like help the team sort of, you know, make sure that we're putting, uh, the extra time into the right things. Okay. Cool. 
Hey, um, guys, one of the things, one of the best features of timelines from what I've taken from watching the videos and being on the site, and please tell me if I'm completely off base with this, is that it looks like you can play the same missions over and over and over again with choosing different crewmates uh, or, or different crew members, I should say. Um, so you can have different outcomes based on who does what, like we talked about a few minutes ago. With that being said, have you guys done any calculations or estimates as to the possible number of hours of gameplay that Timelines is going to bring someone who wants to do this over and over again? Or is it just as long, as many as you can think of? Might not be worded exactly the no, best I, way, but it's, it's, I, I actually was, was talking to Bill earlier saying, how am I going to word this right? And I'm hoping that I'm bringing my thought process uh, out. All right. No, no, I, I think, I think I can understand it. And I, I think thinking about it sort of in, in time or hours is, is, it's one way to think about it, but, uh, I prefer to think of what Star Trek timelines is, is it's going to be, we're, we're, we're going to create a sort of a service. Like Tim and I are not going to be finished when the game ships. Um, one of the things that we're both super passionate about is the idea of this like ongoing, living, persistent world. The things that get us excited about are, um, telling new stories and involving the, the, the community. Um, an aspect of sort of social gameplay where all the players together are making decisions that affect the game, that then creates new content, that then affects the game. And so we're going to launch with, uh, some number of characters and there's going to be some missions and, and we want you to, to, to have a lot of fun with that. But my feeling is that unless you are the most voracious star, star Trek fan and I, and you're listening to this podcast, so you're, you are a Star Trek fan. But I mean, like, you have to really, like, you would have to play this game as your job to get to the end before we've got more stuff out there. So I think the, the answer is, is that as long as you guys are playing, there'll be stuff to do. Awesome. That actually brings up a, a quick um, follow-up question. Is a lot, we see it a lot in games today, uh, which, which I like. Are we going to have the opportunity for uh, in-app purchases for special crew members or or equipment or anything like that? Is that something that's planned for the game? It it is indeed planned for the game. We've learned a bunch of stuff from uh, our previous game, Game of Thrones Ascent, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that that is good about that game is that having a free game that then has uh, in-app purchases is that it gets to a broad spectrum of people. Um, we want to have it, and we want Star Trek Timelines to be similarly inclusive, that pretty much anyone can play it. We want it to be accessible to folks who want good entertainment um, and may not have, you know, 60 bucks to spend on on a video game. Right. Uh, and so... One way to do that is with a free game that has has in-app purchases, and then uh, what we found is that people uh, can play for free for a long time and get a really great experience, and that's wonderful, and we that's great. We, we want those people. Mm-hmm. And folks who play for a long time and then say, you know, this has been worth a few dollars to me, uh, they can spend a few dollars and get, uh, you know, a... a a favorite character a little more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll be able to get anything in the game just by playing it. it there's no 
requirement to buy anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if, if you, our hope is to make a good enough game and a game that's long lasting enough that, uh, folks feel like they're getting a good value with it. Um, and if they appreciate that with some dollars, then that's great because it means that we get to keep making the game for more time and longer. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a hard thing to talk about right now because when we're talking about a, a, a sort of a free to play, in a, in, a, in a social thing is Tim and I and the rest of the team, we can make some guesses as to what you guys are going to feel is, is worth the money. Um, I think the fact that we're Star Trek fans, I think it gives us a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, a nudge in the right direction. Um, but I fully expect that we're going to launch, um, we're going to launch Star Trek timelines. Uh, the first, you know, thousands of people are going to start playing. It probably will show up in the beta and, we're going to learn that things that we thought were going to be really popular aren't that popular. And things that we didn't think were popular are super popular. And then we're going to make adjustments. But the, the goal is always going to be that, um, you feel good when you, when you buy something. We don't want to, it's not about like, uh, tricking someone into, into, into playing money, paying money because uh, frankly, that's just, there's bad business. It's also based a bad game. Right. And so, um, if you if you want to play for free, you're going to be able to do it. And and actually, I think it's sort of uh, the the thing that you're going to have to keep doing is what you just ta- what you talked about previously. And and this actually content is that um, the way that you will get to eventually um, you know be able to unlock things and be able to convince people to join your crew is going to be by um, solving those those puzzles and those conflicts in in different ways and starting to get sort of completion we've you know we've hidden little things inside little easter eggs and um the the player that doesn't want to, the player that wants to pay um is going to want to go play through some of those things but maybe they want to start doing it with uh uh picard in uh first contact as dixon hill with the tommy gun they want it they want to start <laughs> with that they don't want that to be their end goal um, and it's just that convenience sort of difference. So uh, I got to imagine that there's going to be a, a variety of uh, of experience as far as gamers go playing this game. And I know between Dan and I, he's more of a gamer than I am. I'm more of a neophyte. I, uh, I've gamed a little, but not a great deal. I'm assuming that I can play timelines across multiple devices and I can at least see the same point in the game. So I'm like, maybe I start on my Android phone before I get to work and then maybe pick it up on my iPad later on when I get home. Or in Dan's case, since he doesn't really do anything, he just play all day long. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, true, but wow. <laughs> is that, is that a fair yeah. statement? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You'll be able to connect uh, multiple devices to the same account. So you'll just be able to pick up in the same place, um, you know, from your, from your mobile device to, to the computer. Uh, absolutely. And and I, and I think even, um, it, it shouldn't be too difficult. Um, again, when you, when you go to disruptorbeam.com and you sign up for the bridge crew, um, that's going to create this login for you. And so, if uh, you and your your partner or your two children or you and your your son or daughter both want to play and you want to have your own experience, um, you should be able to to sort of to do that and not ruin each other's uh, uh, progress. <laughs> well, here's or the- or you could get your son or daughter to play your game, and right. that way you'll 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 keep gaining that latinum. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, no, uh... no, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I have a strict rule. Whenever I'm any of my games, nobody else touches my characters. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously, you guys um, have had some time behind the wheel of the game. Who would serve on the crews of your respective starships? Tim, maybe we'll start with you. So... We don't have all of the, you know, we're still building up our content. We don't sure. have everything in there. So there's really only one one of the characters that I can say I'm I'm pretty much always going to want to bring. Okay, who's that? Lacutus. Ah, nice. Nice. I was I was afraid you were going to say Andy Dick, the EMH Mark II from Mess. <laughs> Please don't have him in the game. <laughs> yeah, you know he's got some fans, <laughs> and uh, and you know what? I think I think it's important that you sort of you sort of bring that up. And and there there's going to be there's going to be characters from from all over the place. But EMH Mark One, that guy's in my crew. Nice. How nice. many how many other versions of the Cisco do you have in your crew, David? <laughs> um, I think that um, not bringing any Cisco's would be a really bad idea. I agree. Um, but uh, you know, sometimes I like to mix it up. So I think I think I want to throw in in Mirror Universe Cisco. Nice. Uh, I I you know um, you know after he started the 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 rebellion not not the trigger one so we'd have we'd have we'd have some cisco and he'd be he'd be you know dual disruptor pistoling his way through uh through some some challenges and we have the the emh is is able to sort of you know he's great he can infiltrate and he can heal and he can he can do a bunch of stuff and uh i don't know who who would that who would that last person be? Cyrano Jones, maybe, oh. or ooh, Luther Sloan. Oh, Damn. sleeper nice. pick right there. No pun intended. Yeah. One of the things that I like, guys, you actually we've been talking about it a little bit tonight, but um, you also teased in your latest video blog um, that there are going to be these multiple versions of these characters. For example, Ben Cisco. That I think that's going to make it a much more interesting and and. Um, uh, compelling game for the fans that really want to get that nitty gritty. Um, those, those know it all fans who really want to have different aspects of the game. But one thing I did want to say, I want to compliment you guys because whoever thought of this, as Bill is tired to death of hearing, I love the mirror universe to no end. And mm-hmm. to hear that there's going to be mirror universe stuff in there just it makes me so happy. Yeah. I mean, we, we also love the mirror universe. I mean, we love all of it, right? But so we want to, the, one of our one of the hard jobs is figuring out what we want to do for launch because we what we really want eventually is we want everything in there. We want all the characters. We want all you know revisiting all of our favorite uh, sort of scenarios and conflicts and interpersonal stuff and mixing it up with the people who are from the from a different time and and weren't there originally. Uh, so you know. Eventually, yeah, we would actually like to get to a point where we have all the versions, uh, all the different hats that Picard wears. Um, so all those different Picards, all the different Cisco's, ever everyone's different sort of uh, mental state and their different outfits, uh, and even the EMH Mark II for for the few fans. <laughs> for Dan, the few. And... So we're talking the potential of thousands of characters, possibly. As long as the game keeps going, wow. uh, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep bringing new characters into it. That's wow! Great. 
So, okay, uh, where can everybody go to get the latest updates? You've mentioned the Bridge Crew a couple of times. Maybe you could talk a little more about that and tell people how to sign up. Yeah, going to disruptorbeam.com um, will give you the links to the sign up for the Bridge Crew. That'll give you the uh, links to our Twitter feed, our uh, YouTube channel, which is, uh, you guys have mentioned the the videos that we've been posting i think those are a lot of fun and they provide some good information am i forgetting something david <laughs> no that's great i'm I, I i'm sure there are uh but if you if you if you go to one of those sources it'll definitely point you in the direction of the things that we're forgetting and are you guys or is disruptor beam in general going to be back in vegas this year we are excellent yes. we will I, be there I, too actually i would in fact highly recommend uh that uh those who can go to vegas who are interested in in the game uh it, or, or uh if you can't go to vegas uh pay attention to our news um around that because we have some pretty cool stuff lined up for vegas i think that uh, mm. i mean we're all really excited uh and i think that Everyone else is going to be pretty excited too by some of the stuff we're talking about in Vegas. Awesome! I'm actually going. I'm actually going to Vegas for the first time this year. So, added incentive. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, you should definitely you should definitely go check it out. I think we're going to have a fairly large presence there. Uh, Tim and I are a little bit scared because we're working super hard to make sure that every uh, like all the stuff that that needs to be ready is ready. It's a, it's a big push. <laughs> yeah, I I don't want to add any pressure, but there's it's seven weeks from tomorrow. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no yep. pressure. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Tim and David, we really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, we'll see you in Vegas. Our pleasure. Thanks, yeah, guys. thanks for having us. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to listeners of the Trek Geeks podcast so you can check out their service. You can select your free audiobook from over 150,000 titles in Audible's library. And if you're interested in Star Trek titles, you might even check out one of these currently available on audible.com. Imzadi, Spectre, The Return, Sarek, and my favorite, The Eugenics Wars, The Rise and Fall of Khan Noonien Singh. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks for your free audiobook. And we would like to thank audible.com for sponsoring our episode. So, Dan, am I correct in assuming that you are going to have about 47 different versions of Benjamin Sisko on your bridge crew? True or false? 45. <laughs> Why not 47? And, uh, because I want to have Mirror Universe Odo and regular Odo. But Mirror oh, Universe... wait a minute. 44, because I also want the Odo from the planet when it was uh, the planet one, when it was he was all better. <laughs> <laughs> when he was all better. Yeah. The whole time... Episode. Mary, Time's Orphan? No, uh, not Time's Orphan. Uh, no, I know the one you mean. Okay. The one where uh, old Odo rats yes. on Odo in a bucket. Yes, 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 yes. Kira.
Children of Time, is that it? Child- yes, Children of Time. I knew Time was in that title somewhere. 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 Yes. Uh, you know, somewhere. Mirror Universe Odo doesn't stick around very long. He gets turned into protoplasm pretty quickly. Yes, he does, and that's too bad. I always thought that they could have done a lot with him, but oh well, can't do anything about it now. He's dead. Well, in any event, we're both looking forward to Star Trek Timelines. We really thank David and Tim for sitting down with us. And as the game gets closer to that playable beta, I'm sure that we'll uh, we'll be talking to Disruptor Beam again. Hopefully, we can uh, can go down and visit them at some point since they're relatively close to us. We think that would be pretty cool. So now we're going to segue into Star Trek gaming in general, and I think it's safe to say that over the years there have been a lot of misses as far as Star Trek games are concerned, and not a lot of solid hits. So Dan and I have each compiled. Uh, a list of games that we really like and we think that are, are just worth playing over the years and are kind of timeless. And then another list of games that are just total turkeys. Uh, games that can't get out of their own way with terrible gameplay, among other things. So um, we haven't really talked about these lists between the two of us, so yours will be a surprise to me, uh, as I'm sure mine will be a surprise to you. Do you want to start first with a game you really like? Actually, one of the games um, that people who listen to the podcast who know me, know that I love World of Warcraft. And that game is based on a series of games from Blizzard called Warcraft. Very aptly titled. Very convenient. Yes. Um, One of the Star Trek games that came out a few years back was basically Warcraft in a Star Trek shell. And it was called Star Trek Armada. I really enjoyed that one. It was at the time when when the first Warcraft games were very popular. Um, So as a Star Trek fan, seeing something like that where I could play Warcraft in the Star Trek universe was something that I really liked. The graphics were pretty cool. Same basic engine of, you know, getting resources and then going and attack the enemy. I really liked that one. That's one of my favorite ones that I remember from uh, back in the day. That's not one of the ones I've really played. I haven't really gravitated toward those types of games, um, and probably the reason I've never got into Warcraft. Uh, but I have to say, probably the first game I played with any regularity was the Star Trek 25th anniversary game, and I played it on the, the Nintendo console. Um, it, yeah, it was like an 8-bit game, but man, was yep. it fun. In fact, you can still play it today if you download an NES emulator on just about any smartphone or tablet. I've played it recently on, on my tablet, and it's still fun. You know, you go through all the missions to Sigma, Io- Sigma Iosha and all the other planets. And I, um, there's a nostalgic value there for sure. But, yep. uh, but man, it's just it's a fun game. A lot of text in that game, if I remember correctly. Uh, there is, but it's still yep. enjoyable, especially when you yep. get shot by the flowers. It's like Star Trek Zork. <laughs> <laughs> it really kind of way is. back. Star Trek Legend of Zelda. Yes. Um, One of the other ones that I absolutely love, it probably is higher on my list than Armada, actually. Um, First-person shooters are always very popular. You know, you have the original Doom, and of course now Call of Duty is all the rage. They came out with two Star Trek first-person shooters called Elite Force, and those were very well done. Um, when they came out. Of course, the, the graphics weren't as awesome as they have today on just a regular Xbox 360. Um, but the uh, gameplay was great. The missions were great. The, they had, If I remember correctly, they had a lot of voice acting in it from the original cast members of Voyager. They did. Um, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed those games. Um, I also, for my number two pick, put down Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. But it's probably at this point I should give an honorable mention to the arcade game for Star Trek Voyager, which was really rare and hard to find. But if you played it, I think it was called, um, I could have this wrong, but I'm sure somebody will let me know if I do. I think it was Borg Invasion. 
um, or something along those lines. But it was a shooter game in a sit-down arcade console. And it was fun. It was expensive as all get out. But mm-hmm. I really like playing it. Um, going back to Elite Force, between Elite Force, the Elite Force expansion pack, and Elite Force 2, I played the hell out of those games. Yeah. Um, it was just because, it's like you said, they were fun. They were first-person shooters, something that Star Trek wasn't really into at the time. And although it wasn't necessarily a Star Trek story, per se, the game was very entertaining, I thought. Yeah, it was very entertaining. As a matter of fact, I still have the discs sitting here at my desk. Um, just won't play on Windows 8. <laughs> Sounds like you need to spin up a VM. They do, but I do also know that there's a website out now that, that releases a lot of the old-fashioned games like the, the X-Wing and TIE Fighter series yeah. available for Windows 8. And uh, hopefully they'll come out with Elite Force because if they do, I'll pick those bad boys right up again because it was great. Oh, without question. Uh, another one that I really enjoy um, because of my love for World of Warcraft is Star Trek Online. Um, it's not one that I play as much as other things but when i do play i'll get i'll get sucked into it for quite a while and i'll play for a couple hours at a time um it's very similar to world of warcraft in that it's a massive uh mmorpg um recent news uh uh aaron eisenberg just recently did some voice acting for captain nog for the game and i believe that was released only within the last week or so that actual mission that's awesome yeah I know that uh, they had Garrett Wong in there doing some Captain Harry Kim stuff, too, which I thought was cool. Nice of Harry to finally get promoted, for real. Um, <laughs> I haven't gotten into Star Trek Online as much, and I think it's just because I'm so late to the game. I didn't have mm-hmm. a PC that would run it until recently. And yep. instead of playing games, I started producing podcasts. Hey! <laughs> hey, and, and I can't tout you for that, man. But uh, our our mutual friend, Chris Mumphrey, who you will meet in Vegas very shortly in less than a month as we talk about this, uh, has been trying to get me to play Star Trek Online for years and years and years. So one of these days, I'll, you know, I've played it a little bit, but, but not enough to, to say that you know, I'm, I'm really playing Star Trek Online. Right. Um, but it, I could see where it would be a real time suck. Oh, yeah. Oh, any of these MMORPGs can be. And one of the things I was going to say about it is when you do want to start playing and, and when Chris is available, it's, I think what's good about these type of games is it's very easy for anyone who has played for a while to just spin up a brand new character at level one, start in the, in the areas with new players, and just go have fun doing things that you might not have done when you first started playing as a level one character. So I'm all up for that, pal. <laughs> well, sometime you and I will have to play. Um, yeah, I think it'll be good. My all-time favorite Star Trek game is an oldie but a goodie. Um, if any of you have seen the movie King of Kong, it details the Donkey Kong World Championships that occur at an arcade in New Hampshire called Fun Spot. It's in Laconia. It's the arcade I grew up going to as a kid. And they have the world's largest playable 80s arcade game museum at Fun Spot today. Um, it's, it's, it's mammoth. All these games are in perfect working order. They take great time restoring them. And one of the games they have now that they actually didn't have in the eighties is my favorite game, Star Trek strategic operations simulator, the arcade sit down version, not the stand up version, because that version's not as good to me. Welcome but, aboard captain. Exactly. And yes, it's all, sir. it's all line drawings yep. and you know, you're essentially flying around. It's like the old, uh, text-based Star Trek game, but in, in line drawings, you're protecting star bases and blowing up Klingons. And, and as much as it's not a true Star Trek game, like timelines will be, it is just, it's fun. Last time I yep. went to fun spot, I must've played it for a half an hour straight. 
If I remember I just, correctly, because I do remember playing it back in the day, um, it, it was one of those fully encased ones where you're sitting in a captain's chair. Yeah. You had a dial on one armrest. You had their triggers on the other. Very difficult to do if you're not very good hand-eye coordination when you're using both hands at the same time for different things. Yeah. Like, that's why I've never been able to play guitar or piano. Um, but it still was fun. It reminds me of that, what's the Battle Zone? Is that the tank yep. game that was all line drawn? Exactly. Kind of like that, it reminded me. Very cool game for back in the day. I wish today that I had one of those arcade games in my house. Um, but the problem was- with those games from Sega is that they used to catch fire in the 1980s, so there's not a lot of them today. <laughs> <laughs> That's naughty. And Catch Fire, you don't mean that they became really popular. No, I meant that <laughs> they actually be, you know, became engulfed in flames. <laughs> yeah. That type of thing. Okay. Now that's a fire. Well, I'll put that off the Christmas list because I was yeah. going to write that down. Yeah. And those those bad boys are expensive. But that, that still is my favorite game. It's yep. all based on nostalgia, which I think my favorite Star Trek games um, all seem to be steeped in to some extent. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, yep. there haven't been a lot of good games recently. And you and I can talk about that now. Um, if I'm lining up turkeys in the Star Trek universe, um, I hate calling them dogs because I love dogs. Um, I'd say the first turkey on my list has to be the Deep Space Nine game Harbinger. (laughs) That game... It's awful. Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) And far be it for anyone on this podcast to say bad things about Deep Space Nine. That game was a big pile of poop. (laughs) It really was. It was hardly playable. It was confusing. Some of the voice talent was not the same as it was in the series, if I remember yep. right. It was either that one or DS9 The Fall, and I always screw those two up because neither are great games. Yeah. Um, yep. But I thought Harbinger was particularly bad, so, so much so that I just couldn't finish playing it. It was almost yep. like uh, the TNG game of Final Unity. You get to a point in that game, and it was just hard to do, and I eventually yep. just gave up on it. But Harbinger was just its poor writing, poor coding. Um, it was not fun at all. I, you gotta wonder if, because of the popularity of Trek came back fast, if these companies just decided to throw whatever they could against the wall, see what would stick, and throw it out there full of bugs, bad everything, just to make that fast buck. I think so. I think yeah. that it shows with a lot of those games. So, which um, which one is is one of your leading turkeys? One of my leading turkeys. I'm actually holding it in my hand, and we're not showing video right now, but I'm holding it up for Bill. It's a PC game called Star Trek Legacy. By Bethesda Softworks, oh. and I think they made some good games in the past. Um, the one that I'm holding in my hand actually is not even opened, and the reason it's not even opened is because it's also, if I remember correctly, and I have it downstairs, came out for the Xbox. It is so bad, and it is so hard to to play that I have not even unwrapped the PC version of the game, which I got for Christmas like five years ago. Oh wow. Yeah, the um, the flight controls. It's like it's very hard to do space battle games in Star Trek. I'm sorry, um, and the controls for it were just it's just, it's not playable to me. I feel the same way about my second game, which is another Xbox game, or at least I played it on on Xbox, which was a Star Trek Shattered Universe. It was a mirror universe game, yeah. And the very first mission, um, I get, it featured the voice talents I know of Walter Koenig and also George Takei. Takei I, yeah. I never made it deep enough into the games to know if it featured anybody else. Mm-hmm. Because the first mission, you're flying these fighter craft, something Star Trek has never had. Yep. And you're trying to destroy ships attacking the Mirror Universe Enterprise. And I could never make it past that level. And I got so mad at it that I just shut it off. And I never <laughs> went back to it. 
And I, I see that it didn't matter because um, a lot of people truly hate that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Star Trek and Xbox do not seem to go well together. That's true. Um, I was very excited for the last Star Trek game that came out for the Xbox 360, mostly because the commercial for this game reunited William Shatner and the Gorn fighting in the living room at William Shatner's house, complete with the slow motion punches and the ear slap, everything. Commercial was awesome. And that's about the only thing awesome about the game or about, <laughs> about it because the game, first-person shooter in the JJ-verse, not great. No. It's, 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 it's playable. It's not my worst of the worst. It's playable, but there's a lot of glitches in terms of the um, uh, of the um, background scenery and stuff like that. A lot yeah. of herky jerkiness. The the voiceover work does have Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and everybody, but the moving of the mouth along with the dialogue is is so bad it's not watchable, um, and it's too bad because I was hoping that they would finally put together a first person shooter for Star Trek that would be worth playing. I know what you mean. That actually was my third selection as well for many of the same reasons, um, not the least of which was it just wasn't interesting. Yeah, it was kind of boring. And I'm sorry, those Gorn Mont, the, the other Gorn that they had in the game, yeah. they, they weren't Gorn. I don't, I don't know where those, where no. those monsters came from because they didn't look like Gorn to me. I feel like I should make an honorable mention um, because we, had, we synced up on the same one. So I'm actually going to give two because there were that many bad games out there. There are a lot. Um, Star Trek Starfleet Academy was a terrible game. It had a cut-in footage that featured Kirk and Sulu, and it was Shatner and, and Takei. But it, it was just one of those games where you had uh, a lot of video interplay and your decisions, um, your choices in the game, depending on what videos came next, kind of like Star Trek Borg and Star Trek Klingon. And then I, I think that the other one that really was truly dreadful was the Star Trek Generations game. Um. The game that that's allegedly went along with the movie was hardly playable at all. Um, it, it the story wasn't even as good as the movie, and the movie was not that great. It makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very sad. I'm trying to think of um, there was one other one. Uh, I was typing real quick to see if I could find the title of it that that came out that was that was was it bridge commander I think it was bridge commander yeah. one of those ones where you had you had to do so many micromanaging things in order to do anything regardless of how small the mission was that it became frustrating that you didn't even want to play it that's very true it was yeah. bridge commander I remember that um, you and I still wish that the most hype Star Trek game ever had actually been released and that is Star Trek The Secret of Vulcan Fury. Yes. It was in, de- it was in development by, I think it was uh, Interplay? Yes, it was Interplay. Yep. Yeah. And you know they released cutscenes from the game, and the story was written by, I think, DC Fontana. And it yep. was supposed to be you know an episode of Star Trek in video game form, and you could play it like such. And it never made it out, because Interplay essentially went under. Uh, went bankrupt. They got bought out, I think, by somebody else, and uh, the game just never saw the light of day. And I still wish yep. to this day that we got that game. Yeah, I remember they actually had the artwork of what the cover box would be like and everything. Um, they, uh, I, I think, it was early in the day where they wouldn't really have trailers, so to speak, or gameplay videos. But that 
they had screenshots of 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 the game, and it really looked like it it could have been something good. And it's it's really too bad that uh, Interplay didn't make it. Well, that was among you know some of the early games that actually had trailers. And I remember you and I waiting for that thing to download over 56K modem. <laughs> that's right. I forgot. <laughs> so that we could yes. watch it. And it seemed like it took yep. an hour. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh, man. I have to but, go find that and put it on. You know what? Let's try to find that and let's put it on the uh, on the podcast page so people can actually look at it if it's still out there. Well, uh, we'll see if we can include links or uh, that have information to all of these games on some yeah. level. Um, so you can at least read about them if you don't know about them. Um, and if you ever get the chance to go to Fun Spot in Laconia, New Hampshire, um, you will thank me later. I still go every now and then. I grew up going there. It's just a great place. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, our summer uh, camp is on Lake Winnesquam, which is not too far away, which I will be at very soon. Very excited. Um, maybe we'll take a gander over there and see if the Star Trek game's still there, and I'll, uh, I'll give you a call when I'm playing it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could do a, a meerkat. You know, or a Periscope chat and play it and show me the video while you're playing. I can do that. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't. I can't do things with one hand and the other hand. I completely, like I see, I just dropped my beer cover on the floor, cap cover, because I can't do two things at once. A beer cap cover? Beer cap cover. Cover cap called cover? Again? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, maybe some of you have some favorite games or some games <laughs> that you really hate. Um, maybe you're excited for Star Trek timelines. Let us know. Uh, there are multiple ways with which to get in touch with uh, with us, <laughs> to us, with us. See, now I'm I've, I'm having a hard time speaking because you, you get Dan disease, man. I know, Dan. <laughs> why don't you bail me out and tell people how they can get in touch with us? I'll be happy to bail you out, Bill. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> I'm going to mix it up tonight too. You know, um, if you want to reach us, you know that there are several ways to do it. Uh, one way is you can give us a call at 508-784-1701 if you want to leave us a voicemail about your favorite or not-so-favorite Star Trek games. Uh, if you want to send us an email, you can do so at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype. Our handle is trekgeeks. Uh, individually, if you want to send Bill a message, his Twitter handle is at trekgeekbill. And if you want to send me a message, my Twitter handle is at DCDDS9. And Bill, as always, please remember that any comments or messages you leave will be used in a future episode. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> thank you, Dan. I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's my want pleasure. To, we also want to be sure to thank our friends in the band Five Year Mission. Their album Spock's Brain is available now. So go to fiveyearmission.net and get yourself a copy. Believe me, it's a, it's a great album with songs all featuring that episode so you uh you'll love it and you'll have a great time listening to it and you'll want to listen to even more of their stuff so fiveyearmission.net go get yourself a copy but for now that does it for us this has been episode 22 of the trek geeks podcast we truly appreciate you downloading and listening and we hope you'll be back next week we have a great episode coming up potentially our first return guest and we'll give you some more information about that as we get closer to it but for now we hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut. 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 Not hazelnut. <laughs>
How are you doing? Sorry, I was watching Insurrection while I was ironing, and I lost track of time. What? You couldn't watch a good movie? I was. I haven't seen it in so long. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to throw it in and see how it is. I will say the, the Briar Patch is gorgeous. Yeah, it, that actually looks good, especially on yeah. Blu-ray. Yeah, it looks really good. Um, the Sona ship is kind of cool, too. Really? Eh, it's not too bad. kind of reminds me of a um, Breen ship a little bit, to be honest with you, sir. I can see that. Of course you can see that. Oh, well, all right then. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for being here tonight. Thank you for finally showing up tonight. <laughs> you were on time for a change. Change. I've been on time many times in a row. Time is, time is irrelevant, sir. You are not a time Time is Lord. irrelevant. Bill will become one with the bog. Your face is irrelevant. Just like that, that same dumbfounded look that I see all the time when I talk to you. Why? Why do you do this to me? Have you seen yourself? So, <laughs> wow. Burn. Sick burn, dude. That was a sick burn. Arya is looking at me like, you just got burned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and junk and stuff. Uh-oh. Is that the Psy 2000 virus? I've got it. The disease. <laughs> Love. Love. <laughs> You're better off without it, and I'm better off with a mind. <laughs> That's a good episode. That's a fantastic episode. The Excellent episode. The, the TNG rehash of it, not so much. No, that's not good at all. The naked now. <laughs> yeah. Data. <laughs> if if you prick me, do I not bleak? 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 Well, did you it, say did you say bleak? And here's why, because when oh. you listen to it, it sounds like he's putting a consonant before the L. That's It sounds like he says bleak even though he's saying leak. I'm going to have to check that out. Check your You're face. Bleak. You know what else is? <laughs> yes. You know what else is bleak? Your face? Your face. You got to get up pretty early in the morning to, to outsmart me. Yeah. All right there, Mr. Magoo. Roadhog. Roadhog. Roadhouse. No. Do you remember the beginning of the Mr. Magoo cartoon where he cuts yes, people I off do. in traffic and he calls them a robot. I was never a big fan of the Mr. Magoo cartoon show. Um, I I don't I, I don't remember much about it other than it was quite annoying. He never had his eyes open. He was nearsighted. <laughs> but but then when he did open them they were like gigantic female Disney character eyes. They were like again. <laughs> 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 Lovey. Uh, Lovey? My karate pinky. Excuse me? He used to always say that when he would like, Oop! The professor! Oh, my karate pinky! <laughs> you remember way much more about Gilligan's Island than I ever will. It's amazing that I cannot see the show for probably 15 years, and as soon as we're flipping through a station and there's an episode, I'm sitting there doing the lines before they happen, and Sue's looking at me like, you need some serious help. <laughs> I, I think the look is actually, what have I gotten myself into, dear Lord? It could be that. It could be that. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
the, like we've already talked about this in a in a previous podcast when everybody's allergic to Gilligan. Oh my god, that episode with the skipper sneeze is one of the best. Love it. Go ahead. Eek, eek, eek. Okay, so I had to get that out of my system. That was the- <laughs> See, I knew you were going to do that too, and still, like, I walked right into it. It's kind of like walked- stepping on a garden rake. <laughs> Patoing. Ding. Oh, yes, that's good stuff. I always, in my own mind, confuse and conflate the skipper's sneeze and Data's attempt at sneezing. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, chew! <laughs> Very good stuff. Yes. All right. Because they're both they both sound so alike. Mohan. <laughs>